Good afternoon, Noodle Pros followers. My name is Casey Lalava, and I am the Director of Partnerships here at Noodle Pros. Um, I am so excited, as I always am, when I have the honor of her presence, um, to be joined today by Kate Fisher. Um, Kate is one of our absolute best tutors at Noodle Pros. Um, she will tell you a bit about um, what academic areas and test types she tutors for in a moment. Um, but Kate is also the Director of School Partnerships at Noodle Pros, um, which is a fairly new title to Noodle Pros that we're really, really excited about. Um, so today, Kate and I are going to give the um, listeners and followers a bit of an overview um, of the IC and the SSAT. Um, and we're really excited because these two particular test types are ones that come with a bit of mystery um, and ones that we are always getting lots and lots of questions on um, from parents who just wanna know more and have a better understanding. So that is our goal today. Um, we are looking to deliver that. Um, so I wanna let Kate um, just tell you a little bit about herself and what she does um, as a tutor at Noodle Pros, um, and then we'll get into the ICSSAT content. Kate? Casey, thank you so much for having me. Always a blast to talk to you and uh, tell people what they need to know about their kids and their kids' admissions decisions um, and application processes. So I've been in the test prep and tutoring industry for longer than I care to admit, uh, over 10 years, way over 10 years now. Um, and what's really, I was actually talking to a parent the other day about when I took the lower level IC in 1999, and there was a picture of a clown holding balloons. And the question was literally, how many balloons is the clown holding? Uh, the IC at all levels, I think, has gotten significantly more sophisticated and advanced since then. Um, so in addition to IC and SSAT prep, I do SAT and ACT prep and a lot of academic support, a lot of um, executive function support and, and working with students with learning differences. But basically, you name it, I'll do it. And if I can't do it, I'll get you someone who can. Uh, so, and that's just, you know, where where we are now. All right, thanks so much, Kate. So like I said earlier, um, Kate is going to help demystify these tests for us today. Um, we have a collection of some frequently asked questions that we get when it comes to the IC and the SSAT. Um, so I am going to start asking the questions. I'm gonna fire away, Kate. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> the first question, like many of the questions, is two parts. Um, and essentially it is who should take the IC and who should take the SSAT. So let's start with the IC, Kate. Who should take the IC? So it's actually interesting, Casey, because historically, the IC was the admissions test for independent schools across the country. So schools that are day schools, kids go home, it's in the area. And the SSAT was the admissions test for boarding schools. That is not the case anymore. It's sort of, we've, we're seeing more of an SAT, ACT experience where although the IC is more known for at independent schools and the SSAT might lean a little bit toward boarding schools, most schools that take one will take the other. So students really do have an opportunity to say, well, which test do I like better? Which test am I performing better on? Um, and there's 
so at, basically when you're asking who should take the IC, who should take the SSAT, well, if you're applying to a boarding school or an independent school, you're going to take one, but is it necessarily independent school IC, boarding school SSAT? No, it doesn't have to be. Okay, awesome. Um, the next question um, is how do the IC and SSAT factor into admissions? And if they factor in in a different way from one another, then feel free to tackle it separately. Sure. I think these tests are really scary to a lot of people and they don't have to be. The most important thing I always tell my students and their parents is that the application process to either boarding school or independent school, high school or middle school or lower school, it's a holistic process. They're looking at the whole child. It's not just your test score. So often what the goal is, is you don't, your test score alone is not going to get you in, but you want to make sure you get a certain test score so that your test score does not keep you out. Um, because certain schools do have certain benchmarks, but that you know there are always exceptions to every rule. It's really a part of the entire package, and and schools really are evaluating the child holistically. And you know, as, as you know, Casey as director of partnerships, a lot of our education consultant partners are really great about looking at the student as a person rather than a file folder on an admissions officer's desk, and that's really the goal. For sure. And, you know, your answer makes lots of sense. There's not a particular score you need to get in, but you want to get your score to a range where it you know, won't be something that keeps you out. So um, there is a myth that like certain schools in certain areas, well, you need a perfect score across the board. It's not necessarily true. Um, per, you know, we certainly our goal is always to get the highest score possible for each individual student. But that's the that's the key. It's each individual student. Um, and each individual student has their own strengths and their own areas for improvement that needle pros tutors can, you know, really focus on and, and make sure that that student is presenting their best self in every single area of the application, particularly on their scores. Absolutely. Yes, thank you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the difference between the IC and the SSAT? I know we we touched on that in the first question, but I assume there's maybe a bit more of a difference. Yeah, so that's where which test is better for which student comes into play. Um, if you really zoom out, the tests are similar in that they both test vocabulary or verbal, you know, the verbal section, you know, reading comprehension and math. So we have those three things. Um, the IC verbal section is synonyms and sentence completions, which is like fill in the blank with the best word that goes in the blank. Uh, and the SSAT verbal section also has synonyms, but instead of synonym, instead, sorry, instead of sentence completions, you have analogies, which can be really tricky for some kids. You know, there's a, the old standard about the SAT, like the analogies being impossible, even though they haven't existed on the SAT since 2005. Uh, so, and then um, both have math sections. Now the SSAT breaks the math section into two separate sections, but it's scored as one whole section. The IC has two distinct math sections. One is called quantitative reasoning. The other is mathematics achievement. Um, on the lower level, there's really no discernible difference between those two math sections. 
But on the middle level IC and the upper level IC, the quantitative reasoning section has quantitative comparisons, which are slightly different from a standard math multiple choice question in that you have um, the you have two columns and the task is which column is greater. So A, column A is always bigger. B, column B is always bigger. C, they're equal. D cannot be determined. So if any parents have taken you know, the GRE or other grad tests, they're familiar with that uh, question format. But it really doesn't pop up ever again on standardized testing until grad school. Uh, and then reading comprehension, the, the one main difference between the IC and the SSAT is that the SSAT often has a poem, whereas the IC does not have poetry in its reading comp section. Um, so those, those are the primary differences. But again, we're still looking at these three bucket areas that are tested throughout, which is verbal, reading comprehension, math. The other key difference between them, and I've found this with a lot of my students, they've started with the SSAT and then they flipped to the IC for this reason. The SSAT has a wrong answer penalty of a quarter of a point. Um, and that's to discourage random guessing. So basically, if you have five questions with five answer choices and you randomly guess on all of them, you have it, you know, the math adds up so that you're, you'll get one right. So you'll get one point for that right one and you'll lose a quarter of a point for the other, poor, uh, other four bouncing up to zero points. A lot of students feel very intimidated by that wrong answer penalty. And it, it's, we do work with students to show them how to strategically guess when to omit a question. One of the biggest things is working with students and showing that individual student how for them omitting certain questions can actually raise their score. But the IC does not have that. So students feel more comfortable bubbling in a random letter if they have no idea. And that it, the wrong answer penalty not hanging over their head can alleviate some of that test anxiety. Sure, yeah, that makes lots of sense. Um, okay, um, you touched on this just now. Do the ICN SSAT um, have the same or different content areas? I know that you said one has a poem, the other doesn't. Yeah, um. love, the, love the poem. Um, <laughs> as, as a former English major, I will admit that I really don't like poetry. So, and I think poetry uh, in a standardized test format with multiple choice is just like kind of difficult. Um, so, but you have some students, students who love, who where ELA is their favorite class and they love reading and they love books and they love poems and they're writing poems in their spare time, you know, that that would be, you know, something they would, they might gravitate towards. Um, the other thing that I omitted is that both the IC and the SSAT have writing tasks. Um, they're slightly different. What's interesting about the writing tasks, so for the SSAT, it's the first section. For the IC, it's the last section. So I also know, you know, students who get anxious about writing in a time setting might do, might want to look at the IC instead because then they're not starting the test in an anxious state, or maybe they want to get it over with so then they can focus on the rest of the test. So it's a lot of really, you know, tiny little details about the student's personal learning style that go into which test is better. And it's not just about performance; it's about uh, comfort level and you know what psychologically works best for that student. Um, the, so the writing, what's interesting for both tests is that the writing task is not scored, but a copy gets sent to schools. 
that the student applies to. The other main difference, so yes, they do test the, con the same content areas basically, but the other, those three buckets we talked about, the other interesting difference is that while the SSAT has an entire experimental section that comes between the last math section and the writing portion, the IC just has experimental questions peppered throughout the test, including one entire reading comprehension passage and question set. Okay, got it. Um, I'm gonna throw in a question that I have. Um, at Noodle Pros, are you able to help students and families decipher which test might be better if they have the option? Yes, we, we absolutely do. And I, I think one really interesting thing that happens is, you know, we'll have students take a diagnostic of each and I'll ask them, okay, what, which did you like better without even telling them their score? How did this one feel? How did this one feel? We go through the pros and cons of a feeling. And then we put that, all that information into the context of the data. Well, where did this, and then we break it down even further. Well, the questions we missed are those content gaps or those careless mistakes, what's going on here. And we take all of that information and then we make a choice. Uh, and then we can, what's really nice though, I actually had this happen in this last admission cycle. I was preparing, we had, after all this, this first, you know, diagnostic, diagnostic, how do you feel? What do you like? Which one do you like better? The student decided to go for the SSAT. And we started preparing for the SSAT and then we hit a roadblock and we couldn't get the student score above a, a certain level. And I said, okay, why don't you go take the IC? Let's take a practice IC and shake it off. Scores popped. And while originally the student for this, was, so this was for an upper level of student applying to ninth grade. So originally those IC scores were, you know, in the, in the fours and fives, we had hit a, um, slightly better on the SSAT, but then when we went back to IC, we were at eights and nines. So it, what's nice is, and the moral of the story is that the skills are portable for, for the most part. If you're doing SSAT prep, there is enough overlap with the content on the IC that you can, and sometimes doing that switch can really, the student often, it causes them to relax because the student's like, well, I'm taking the SSAT. I don't know why Kate's making me do this IC right now. Like, I have no idea. Why is she doing this? Uh, why does she hate me? I'm like, I don't hate you. Um, I, I, I care about you. That's why I'm making you take a test on a Saturday when you'd rather be playing outside. Um, it's because I care. And so then there's some kind of mental effects that that has like, oh, this doesn't really count. This isn't part of my prep. But then the it ends up being a huge bolster to the student's self-confidence. And then we can very easily transition back to IC prep and just, you know, make sure we cover any potential gaps between the tests, which are really, really discreet and not worth going into detail right now. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and I think that it makes a lot of sense, right? If you've been prepping all this time and the student's been hearing SSAT, SSAT, and then their crazy tutor says, hey, um, why don't you go take an IC practice test? There's so much less weight because in their mind, they think, well, I haven't even been prepping for this. The expectations aren't super high. And so I think that probably has a lot to do with, you know, the relaxation that you mentioned. And it makes sense to me. So 
Yeah. And I think I'm not surprised to hear that you have this great tactic in your back pocket, Kate. <laughs> well, thanks, Casey. But I think, you know, the, the other interesting thing, and I, I see this more at the upper level than the middle level, and I'm sure we'll talk about levels in a minute. Um, what I see more at the upper level is preparing for this really onerous standardized test often helps inadvertently prepare students for high school. A lot of my IC students um, will come back in the middle of their ninth grade year being like, thank you, like I high school was easier, the transition to high school was easier because I had to be diligent and study in a way I haven't studied before. And it, it sort of, it, it prepares students for the, the challenges of that transition, which, which aren't, we don't talk about that a lot. The transition from middle school to high school is an intense one. Um, you know, just developmentally and, you know, the, the stakes are higher there, you know, you're going to a different school, there are more kids, there's, you know, what's lockers and, you know, free, what do I do with my free periods? I have a free period I, or I can go off campus for lunch. I mean, obviously not during COVID, but there's a lot going on there that the diligence and preparation of the IC often kind of alleviates some of that, the pressure of that transition. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, so we're gonna, we'll skip to the levels question because we did just talk about that. I know that um, at Noodle Pros in my role um, as director of partnerships, when I'm working um, with our partners, oftentimes one of our, I would say our big, our hot topics tends to be IC and SSAT right around this time of year. Um, and we have some parents come to us who have heard so much about the rigor and the difficulty of these tests. So they're a bit panicked. Can you tell us about the different levels of the SSAT and the IC and the differences in terms of rigor that you've seen between them? Sure, so it's a lot. Okay, so let's start with IC. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 very, it's, very, it's very overwhelming. And I, I think oftentimes when parents go to the websites there, it's hard to find the information all in one tiny condensed place. So there are technically four levels of the IC. There's the IC primary, which I personally don't tutor, although we have some wonderful uh, early childhood tutors at Noodle Pros who do work with, um, with students that age. So the primary IC, are um, that's for students entering second grade, third grade, and fourth grade. And there are distinct tests. There's a different test for second grade. There's a different test for third grade. There's a different test for fourth grade. And then the IC that we're, we usually talk about, we don't see a lot of primary IC. Um, the lower level is for students entering fifth grade and sixth grade. So if you're taking the lower level IC, you're applying to middle school. You're applying to change schools for sixth grade most of the time, or sometimes earlier in fifth grade. And often what we have is this time of year. So, okay, current fourth graders are thinking about fall of 2022 when they're going to be entering sixth grade. And, and that's all, it seems really far away, but they have to take these tests by the first week of January, 2022, so that the it completes the admission cycle. So working, a, look, think about, Casey, you can think about your kid from age 10 to age 12. That's a huge difference. So we're really looking at, and a fourth grader isn't maybe used to standardized testing, isn't used to that kind of rigor. School is still 
play-based, you know, there's, there's joy in school. It's not just homework, homework, homework. Middle level on um, the IC is less popular. It's for students entering seventh and eighth. And the reason it's less popular is because most independent schools have entry points or the common entry points are grade six and grade nine. So we're seeing a little bit more of it now, at least in New York because of COVID. So a lot of people have left the city. So a lot of people are trying to switch schools um, in these non-traditional entry years. And, and so that's been interesting. And then finally, you have the upper level IC, which is for, and this is a tough test because it is one test for students who are entering grades nine through 12. So the upper level IC, now all tests, all of these tests, both the IC and the SSAT are scored based on how an individual student performs against the other students in their grade and age group. That said, enough people know enough of the more advanced math, especially on the upper level IC, that in order to get a really, really good score for a top school, eighth graders need to learn advanced math to do well on this test. Um, and, and actually, if we're looking at where we are right now, we're talking about current seventh graders who need to start, if they are applying for ninth grade, they need to start prepping now because there's a lot of content they will not have seen before. There are very few eighth graders in this country who have seen basic trigonometry or who really can work easily with the Pythagorean theorem or factor trinomials and all of these advanced topics. Now, the bright side of this is that students who prepare and learn these topics for the upper level tests often are really well positioned to succeed in high school math classes because they'll be like, wait, I remember doing, I, I learned imaginary numbers when I was doing IC prep or SSAT prep. So there's that. SSAT levels are similar. Um, they have, so they have an elementary level for current third graders and fourth graders. The middle level is for current fifth graders, sixth graders and seventh graders. And then the upper level is for current eighth, ninth, 10th and 11th graders. And again, you see these, these distinctions between, you know, it gets harder. The upper level test is harder than the middle level test because if you look at what a student learns between grade five and seven, it's the gap isn't as significant as what a student learns between grades eight and 11. The stakes are higher, it's more complex and they don't break it down for that. So you have middle school students taking the same test that a high school student would take. Okay. And those are the levels. Perfect. <laughs> um, how long are the tests? So this, um, so for the primary IC, each one, regardless of second, third, or fourth grade, is one hour plus the time it takes the student to complete the writing task. So the student has an unlimited amount of time, so it's however long that takes them. Um, and all the, the, there are breaks for the test, but this timing does not include breaks. Um, we're talking about testing time. Yeah. The lower level IC, two hours and 20 minutes. The middle level and upper level IC are two hours and 40 minutes. The elementary SSAT is two hours and five minutes. And the SSAT middle and upper levels are three hours and five minutes. These are long tests yeah. for anyone. I don't know if I can sit still for three hours at this point. <laughs> I know that I can't. They're like, well, yeah. <laughs> Um, and is that part when you're working with students, especially at the lower levels, is that part of what you're working on with them that's sitting? 
Yeah, definitely. It's, it's tough. And it's, you know, one of the things we talk a lot about is utilizing the breaks. Um, and definitely it's interesting because you have to look at, you don't have to, but it's, it's helpful to look at the exam both in chunks and as part of a whole. So a lot of times, you know, for a lower level IC student, one of the most important things is they, you know, knowing what to expect when they go into the exam. Um, so if they know, okay, I'm going to have verbal, then I'm going to have quantitative reasoning, then I'm going to take a break, then I'm going to have reading, then I'm going to have math, then I'm going to take a break, then I'm going to write an essay. The most, um, most interesting thing I find is a lot of times, and this, this is, you know, I do a lot of work around testing anxiety because it is a part of this. And my primary goal, yes, I want to help the student and their family, you know, get the score they want, but I also want to make it as stress-free a, a process as possible and really alleviate that tension. Um, so working with students, you know, oh, I missed number five on the math, like, okay, but, but that was the math, we're moving on. Um, so I find that breaking it down into these smaller chunks and manageable chunks, because on the IC, one, one section really does not affect the other. The SSAT is a little different in that the math sections are combined, but still that was that math section. You can't go back to it. We're moving, a lot of, you know, mindfulness and like, what am I working on now? And really attacking, looking at it as a section by section process helps break it down. It's not a three hour test, three hour and five minute test. It's four smaller sprints. Yeah, that's how I like to like, like to look at all of the most complicated parts of my day. So exactly, right? <laughs> I have to make it through the next five minutes and then I can deal with the five minutes after that. Yeah, um, absolutely. Great tip. Okay, so next question. This one should be an easy one. Can I use a calculator on the SSAT or the IC? So the short answer is no. Uh, neither test allows for calculator use, although there is an exception for students, and this is a whole other, you know, ball game. But both tests, both tests do offer accommodations to okay. students who have um, IEPs or, or um, you know, other learning differences that are documented. Um, and there are certain cases where a student could be given an accommodation of a very basic four-function calculator to use on the test. Um, and there's also, you know, accommodations pertaining to extra time. Do you get 50% or 100%? And those are often coordinated with school guidance counselors. Sure. Um, yes. Yeah. Great to know. So if you are watching and you happen to have um, a child at home who is entitled to modifications or accommodations on standardized tests, you would work um, on figuring out that process through the counselor at your child's current school. Um, they can help you navigate that process. Um, okay, so next, when should I plan to take the IC or SSAT? That's a really good question. Before I answer that question, I'm just gonna give a rundown of how testing timing works for each test. Oh yes, the, seasons. Little, the seasons. Yes, the seasons, everything has a season. Um, let's start with IC because in a way it's easier to, to break down. So, um, the IC has three testing seasons. It has fall, which is August through November winter, which is, uh, December through March and then spring slash summer, which is the time in between. Very few people take the test in the spring season. Um, so I, I sort of kind of dismiss it because 
you're not going to have a seventh grader take the upper level IC now to apply for fall 2022. Sure. Um, that's not, we're not there yet. So for the IC, students can take the test only once per season. Now, what's weird is this technically means a student could take the test on both November 30th as part of the fall season and on December 1st as part of the winter season. We're obviously not going to do that. Um, and let's also back up in terms of the admissions. General, for independent schools, at least, and again, I'm you know admittedly very narrow in my view because I'm based in New York, always have been, and likely always will be. But the, the application deadlines for New York private schools tend to be the first week of January. So it's really that first weekend in January is the last possible moment you can take the test. Results, icy results come back very quickly, like 48 hours. Yeah. Um, for boarding schools, it's a little long, you have a little more breathing room. It's like a week or two longer. Um, so there's that. So generally, when I'm working with an IC student who is applying to independent schools in New York, we aim to have one test in middle to end of November. It's usually around Thanksgiving. We usually sort of plan for Thanksgiving break to be some last minute like bolstering and prep. Um, I've never, I, I work constantly over Thanksgiving break. It's one of my busiest times of year. Uh, and then we want at least four to five weeks between test dates. Because okay. we need to give the student a break. We need to get the results. We need to look at the results and see what we can do. What's the best course of action if, if the student needs to take it again. Um, and most, most students do, I, you know, it depends on the student, but a lot of students will take it twice because they want to see if they could do a little bit better on this or that. Sure. Um, and can I ask, I don't mean to cut you off, but can I ask if you have a student who, like you just said, was going to take the test at the end of November, how long prior to November were you typically working with that student? It depends on for honestly, right now is when seventh grader, listen, I don't want to tell anyone what they should do, what they, I think though, particularly for the upper level IC, it's a tough test. It's a really tough test. There's a lot of new material that students will not have seen before. And the earlier, that's one of the challenges. So really in April and May, we start to see seventh graders and their families thinking about preparing for this test. Yeah. Now in non-COVID land, part of the reason we start prep this early is because a lot of kids are away for seven or eight weeks over the summer at camp. And as much as I try, I think only once over the past 13 years has a student of mine actually done their icy homework at sleepaway camp. Um, you can send them with flashcards, you can, but that's good. Cause you know what, if kids are going to camp, they should be having fun and they should be able to be kids for a couple of weeks. Um, so I think, so a lot of it has been, we're working all the way up to camp. Kate comes back from camp and then in August, we're doing a review of the things we maybe forgot while we were at camp, um, which is fine. So we really were starting early for that. And then, you know, if a kid is going to be around over the summer though, that's a different situation. Maybe, you know, cause then you can get some prep. You can push the date back a bit. You really have to look holistically. What are the family's plans? What are the students' plans? What does the student schedule look like from now until November? And are there going to be any blocks to consistent preparation? And if so, we have to factor those in. Sure. Um, and what Kate is sharing is um, very, 
what's the word I'm looking for? I guess very indicative of the personalized approach that you would get to your test prep if you worked with a Noodle Pros tutor. Um, they would really, you know, listen to your situation and think about um, what is best for your son or daughter as they craft their prep plan. So um, everything's really personalized and we would make sure that it was, you know, fitting your lifestyle, you know, over the next several months, which is yeah, good. And I think, you know, what it's interesting because sometimes I'll have parents come to me and, you know, December or January wanting to start preparation. And, and what I'll say is not yet. And I think what's nice about Noodle Pros and Noodle Pros tutors is we, we're not going to try to give you something that you don't need. Right. Um, it's not, it's really based on the individual student's needs and, you know, what that student is going to do and what they want to do. And it's also about the goals. You know, if you have a student who, whose math class is, especially this year with the learning loss due to um, remote and online learning and hybrid. And, you know, I think a lot of students really have, have trouble with distance learning and learning via a computer screen via being on Zoom all day. So I think that's another factor that we have to look at this year that we haven't had to in previous years. You know, like for example, just for lower level IC. So your, your son or daughter is currently in fourth grade. Did they learn what they were supposed to in third and fourth grade? If not, you might want to start a little earlier because what's really nice about IC prep at the lower level um, and to, to a lesser extent at the upper level, just because as I mentioned, the upper level does test a lot of novel content. Mm -hmm. But for the for the middle level, I, I'm sorry, the lower level IC for middle school for sixth grade, that's really testing at grade level, maybe a little bit above, but it's mostly at grade level. So it's a really good opportunity in the, in this climate to make sure that your student hit those benchmarks that they were supposed to. Yeah. yeah. All right. I didn't even talk about. I forget what the question was, honestly, Casey. Oh, SSAT seasons. Okay. SSAT. So we talked about IC seasons, but the SSAT is a lot more flexible. Um, basically, the SSAT has three different forms and there are standard test days. The IC, I should say also that there's now an online option. So there's both um, the SSAT and the IC have three options at this point. At home, which was born of COVID, so at home on the computer, um, in person at a Prometric center. So that's a computerized test and paper-based at a center or, or somewhere. Um, the other, and that's actually a really important, even pre-COVID, whether the student was taking the test on the computer or on pen and paper makes a huge difference because that will affect prep. If I have a student who's taking a computerized version of the test, I'm making them do their homework by, by looking at the screen and having a piece of scratch paper to mimic what the test will be like because it's our brains are receiving information this way, figuring out the information on pen and paper and then going back here and, and putting their answer there. So it's a different process from a standard test you might have in school that's pen and paper based or pencil and paper based. But for SSAT, there's a little bit more flexibility. Um, the at-home computerized test can be taken up to five times a year um, at pro, um, if it, the Prometric Computerized Testing Center twice a year. And then the paper-based is also five times a year. So for students who might have more test anxiety and might do better with more real practice, the SSAT might be a better option just because they can take it more times. 
And that there's no reason that five times a year can't be between September and January 5th. Sure. All right. Um, how is the IC scored? Um, and then the same question for the SSAT. Sure. So the IC, um, any, any parent who's started researching this will have heard the word stay nine. So the IC uh, for each of those four sections we talked about, math achievement, quantitative reasoning, verbal and reading comprehension, the score, the number that the school is looking at is a stay nine of one through nine. And that stay nine is calculated based on the student's percentile. So the student, and I, I, I am ashamed to admit that I don't have the exact percentages or percentile ranks and stay nines memorized because it's a little discreet. I think that, you know, a 93 might be an eight, but a 94th percentile might be a nine. It's, it gets very muddy. Um, so basically, how many questions did they get right? The percentile is how many students did they score better than? And that percentile converts into the stay nine of one through nine. Um, so the higher the, the stay nine, the better the student performed. And the, the score report for the IC does also list the scaled score, which no one really looks at, um, but also the percentile. So was we can tell, was it a high eight or a low eight? Um, for example, the SSAT is a little different. It's still, the scoring still comes down to how did this student perform against the other students who took this test. But it is, um, we're really looking at a scaled score instead of this, this stay nine score. So for the SSAT each, for the middle level, each section is, uh, has a scale of 440 to 710 for a total score of 1320 to 2130. And the upper level SSAT, each section, so again, just three sections, even though there are two math sections, they're scored as one. So we've got reading, verbal, and math scored on 500 to 800 for a total of 1,500 to 2,400. Um, it's my experience that because of the nature of the IC where there's no total score, you're really just looking at each individual score, that's how schools tend to look at the SSAT as well. They're not looking at that total 1500 to 2400, but how did the student perform on in each discrete category? Great. All right, thanks, Kate. And then the final question that we have today um, is how do parents and students register for these tests? How do they go about that process? So I will, so, for students applying for fall 2022, regardless at what level, regardless of which, which test, it's not open yet. Um, IC registration for the fall season will open on August 1st, I believe. So they've got time, but they can go for IC, it's at erblearn.org. And for SSAT, it's ssat.org. Um, and the SSAT has not announced their testing dates for this upcoming season yet. So again, what's really great about the timing of this webinar is now you have all the information, you have time to think about what's working for you, what's working for your child, what do you need? Um, and you know, I think it goes without saying that we at Noodle Pros are happy to any, answer any additional questions um, that might come up that pertain to any individual situation. Uh, but it's not, you've got time to come up with a plan is the point. We don't even know the dates yet. There will be dates, there will be the test, but we, we have time to really craft a plan. 
Yep, absolutely. And rest assured that when those dates are announced, Noodle Pros will share that information with you. Um, and like Kate said, we're always here to answer any questions you have about the tests um, and to see how we can help you and your family feel really prepared. Um, thank you so much for tuning in today. Kate, thank you, thank you, thank you. You are always such a wealth of information, no matter what the topic may be. Um, and you know that I so appreciate that. So thank you for joining us and helping us better understand these two tests. Um, and for everyone tuning in, thank you so much. Um, if you have any questions, you can leave them in the comments um, and we will get back to you um, through a Facebook message um, once, we, once we read your questions. So thanks so much and have a great afternoon. Thank you, thank you so much, Casey. Absolutely, my pleasure, Kate. Bye-bye.